Hello, everyone. It's time for another episode of the Porter Tonecast. Episode 46 is where we're at right now, right, 46. Brian? 46. Yeah, and this is like two in a week's time, which two, is yeah. good for us. So we're uh, we're on the right track. I think we're making it happen, so that's good. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, start the show off just by letting everybody know. Porter Pickups, PorterGuitars.com. We've got a Facebook. We've got the Instagram and the Twitter and... There's the website where you can go to the communities tab and find all sorts of content, links to the videos and all of our vlogs and all sorts of fun content. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that we've been doing, we've we've talked about it a little bit in recent, uh, in last week's episode, is just the Porter TV show. So this is like a TV show that we're doing in the shop, and we talked about it in in previous uh, podcasts. I think in the in the earlier spring when we were hinting at we might do this show, and now we're we're five episodes in, mm-hmm. and we're talking about all sorts of different topics in the shop and and more of an in-depth look. The shows are 10 to 15 minutes long, yeah. and it's just us sitting down and, and playing guitar and talking about a specific subject. And, and episode five really covers uh, all about our Krosis model guitar. Yeah. So for those who didn't know, we, we released an electric guitar two years ago. We now have two models, but our first model was called the Krosis. And we've actually done, I believe we've done some podcasts on it and talked about it. Uh, but we we kind of dive into the guitar and into the features of the guitar and really talk about um, the pickup swapping capabilities. Yeah. We have a solderless quick connect and the pick guards can drop in and out, seven different configurations. So if you want to hear how those guitars sound, if you want to watch the latest TV show, we've got that uh, in the link to the show notes here as well. Mm-hmm. So you can go check that out. But uh, today's topic is a pretty interesting one for sure. We've got uh, we've got our friend uh, Robert Renman, who is a YouTube demo guy. He's more of a lesson guy than yeah. a demo guy, I would say. But he's got a a pretty big following on YouTube. He does a lot of guitar licks. He does a lot of uh, just tone samples, things like that. So we thought about putting him on the show this week because we've we've thought about that kind of big topic of recording guitar sounds and also just just recording stuff for YouTube and, and what that looks like. And so we're going to talk with Robert and kind of go through his journey and a little bit of what he has to do to make a good video and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But we've got a wide range of topics that we covered. And, and so we'll go ahead and cut right to that interview with Robert now. Okay, so welcome to the interview portion of the Tonecast. So we're here with Robert Renman. And uh, Robert, uh, how are you today? Oh, hi. I'm good. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, we're excited to have you on the show. We actually haven't done a uh, an interview in a while, so we're pretty excited about uh, uh, just doing a, an actual interview. I mean, we kind of get bored of talking to ourselves back and forth, yeah. so it'll be nice to have have a guest on the phone. Uh, why, why don't you start for, um, for those who know you or maybe don't know you, just kind of let us know um, who you are and what you do. Uh, for your guitar-related activities? Well, um, I am a guitar teacher in Alberta, Canada. And, um, well, I've been playing guitar for many years now, like 30. I think I counted it the other day, and I think I've been playing guitar for over 37 years now. Wow. So, that's, that's impressive. And I've been playing, you know, I started out playing different local bands and that kind of thing, and then... Um, I'm actually originally from Sweden, but I, I've lived in Canada for 20 years now. And um, so after I moved here, I started um, playing locally in um, 
in here in Alberta, and then I gradually got into teaching guitar. I wasn't teaching much uh, in Sweden, but um, uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, develop an audience on YouTube, uh, and that was just kind of by by chance. I was, uh, uh, you know, the the I'm kind of an old guy, so when I started the video cameras weren't really a thing <laughs> well, not, not not one that i could afford anyway so so you know the last 20 years I, I got into that kind of technology and started doing some videos and put it on youtube and then well eventually people noticed i guess and then it gradually turned into uh, a well like a serious hobby and then eventually it turned into a business mm -hmm. so i mean i guess i'm more of a uh, a YouTube or an online guitar player than a live guitar player. I mean, I would like to have my own band and do some albums and all that kind of thing, but um, hasn't really, I haven't really gone that way. Not yet, anyway. Who knows? Maybe I can do it one day. Yeah, <laughs> we'll def see. definitely. And you have the, uh, so the YouTube channel, and then you also have the Master Guitar Academy. So why don't you tell us what the Master Guitar Academy is? Yeah, that's... Um, uh, the end result of all this uh, video stuff I've been doing for the last, well, 20 years, whatever it is, maybe not, oh, maybe 15 years. So, you know, the YouTube um, uh, followers uh, grew and I realized that maybe I can quit my my uh, my regular day job and, and, be a, <laughs> and be a teacher online and, and uh, you know, make run my own business that way. So that... Uh, Eventually worked out for a few years back, and I started Master Guitar Academy, and that's where I put my more, what I can call it deeper lessons, more complete and with more meat and so on compared to YouTube. Because on YouTube you can only, well, it's it's hard to be really to make really long stuff, and 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 I mean uh, it takes a lot of work to to do uh, good lessons, so. Mm -hmm. So I do some some easier, shorter stuff on YouTube, and then um, for people who join my website or buy my products, they will get more in-depth material. So my website has a, a membership system. You, people can join with a monthly fee or yearly fee, and then they can access all the stuff that I have created over the years, or they can uh, buy some downloadable products in case they want to have, have it uh, on their hard drive. I also have some DVDs, but uh, DVDs are kind of disappearing, I think. So yeah. mm -hmm. I stopped, stopped making them. It takes too much work to, to make them anyway. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and so how, uh, how did you get started with the videos? I mean, were you just teaching when you got to Canada and, and, and having students that some of them maybe were like, hey, it'd be cool if you could, you know, even do some like videos that I can rewind as many times as I need to so you don't have to sit there and, and show me the same phrase over and over again? Did it kind of come out of that progression? I mean, you're no, even... actually. No, actually what happened was I, after I moved to Canada, I got um, uh, I got some local guys wanting to play with me and we did start. Mm -hmm. So that meant I have to get some gear. So I, I got some, mm -hmm. some pretty cheap. I remember I had a, a Vox amp, one of the first uh, digital amps oh, mm -hmm. that I that I recall like a long time ago. So I bought one of those and a few, you know, some some gear in general. And then at the same time, uh, 
about that time my daughter was born and I bought a video camera so I could film her growing up. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> that was really the motivation about the camera behind the, getting the camera. And mm -hmm. then, and then I, and then, um, I figured, well, I might, so might as well use the cap video camera to, uh, to record some, uh, demos of the stuff I have. I wasn't doing lessons really. I was just, oh, okay. I was just thinking that, uh, oh, this is a cool sound. This is a cheap little box amp and it sounds pretty cool. So I, I recorded there just some clips of me f noodling around yeah. and put, and put them on YouTube. And then people started noticing like, oh, that's cool. Um, mostly interested in, in the gear of course at first but then after a while people started saying oh you play some cool stuff can you do some lessons on what you're actually playing in these demos mm -hmm. and then and i started doing that a little bit and then over time that started to grow and that led to me eventually a long time later i guess but eventually i realized that oh then maybe there's a market for teaching online mm -hmm. and then i noticed other other people too like um just uh justin uh, sanderco from the, i think he's british or uh he's australian i can't remember but anyway he was he was getting kind of famous on youtube at that time too and then i realized wow there is a market for teaching online so that's what i aimed for eventually so yeah so they started with demos leading to lessons and then yeah here we are yeah, and I mean, and that's really cool. I think that about w what year would you say that is like you started doing these videos or started doing these demo videos that were like maybe your first, you know, like style of video? Yeah. Yeah, I was just focused on playing, making the gear sound good. Mm -hmm. And then people noticed that, the, well, they. I think my point was that I have some cheap, because I didn't have much money. I bought some cheap... Um, Actually, I remember I bought it. Maybe the first guitar I bought was a cheap Squire in a pawn shop for two hundred dollars, one hundred fifty bucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that cheap box digital amp, and I was, you know, I was able to make it sound pretty darn good, even with just a basic video camera, like a, a tape with a tape in it, and a Sony video camera that has mm -hmm. had a mini mini DV tape. I remember that <laughs> mini DV tape. Nice. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, and it had pretty good. Pretty good mic in it, so. Huh. I think yeah. I remember recording some old band stuff on those those type of setups too. It's just mm -hmm. like, oh, let's hear how we sound, and it just it sometimes never came through all that great. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's uh, for the stuff I did anyway. Sometimes it turned out sounding pretty decent, at least for the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was this was many years ago, and at that time also YouTube was more about cat videos and stuff like that yeah. right? <laughs> and all the blooper videos and stuff yeah yeah it wasn't like much real real good sounding um guitar stuff on youtube that at that time it was more cat videos and little you know, dogs and kids and yeah. family stuff right I think, or, I think there's still plenty of cat videos on there right now though <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah it was more for fun i think youtube was more i mean i mean when youtube started it, it seemed like oh this is a neat little idea i wonder right what, yeah it's mostly you're what, right is mostly people mm -hmm. like falling down or getting hurt or something like that that was like the whole yeah. entire thing funny yeah. funny clips it wasn't really much more than that but it quickly grew right yeah it's, it's now amazing it's like to see yeah yeah oh, it's insane you could just get so lost on youtube there's so much stuff out there but you know one of the one of the um uh big benefits from me doing this that early was that i 
I think YouTube, maybe with their algorithms and all that, uh, I was able to be seen quite early on YouTube. So mm -hmm. people probably have seen me for many years on YouTube because they they showed my videos early on when people looking for any guitar stuff. So so I was, I mean, I was just lucky that I was. It's just fluke that I started putting up uh, videos back then, and it has helped me ever since because people, you know, have seen me. Yeah. Although now it's 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 way more, it's way more competitive now. So there, mm -hmm. it's I have to I have to work harder now than I had to back then in order to actually be relevant. And now it's so much competition, and it's more you know it's all business stuff now, kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So. Well, and I'm sure just like how like the quality of your videos and stuff has changed and the style, like I'm sure the gear and stuff that you've used to record it now has changed a lot too. I mean, what what's kind of your your setup for, for your video production stuff? Like, I mean, I'm sure it's pretty complicated. So just, you know, kind of like a rough idea of, of what, how many cameras you're using and, you know, what kind of mics and stuff like that. Yeah, nowadays, um, I mean, I learned so much over the years doing this and um and it's an it it's an ongoing learning process. I still still have lots I could uh, could learn. I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I'm doing now is I have I actually have three video cameras uh, for my members. I film um, when I play something and teaching something on the fretboard. I have a camera that's sort of over the shoulder view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did. so it looks so it looks like you're looking down. On the fretboard as you're playing when mm -hmm. you're viewing the video i did like i liked that a lot yesterday we just clicked on your uh, tush by zz top video and that was one of the things that i noticed right away i was like i really like that angle and and i think that that's super helpful for people that are trying to really see what you're doing and figure something out that maybe has been giving them a hard time yeah yeah that's and actually i got that uh idea from anthony stauffer from uh Texas Blues Alley. Mm -hmm. he's, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he did. He started doing that early, and I asked him about how he did it, and I got my stuff set up the same way because uh -huh. I just like that view myself, and uh, it's yeah, it's just convenient for me to film it that way too, actually. Mm -hmm. And then I have a video camera that's just uh, filming the right hand, and then I have a camera for the front view if I you know do. Uh, introductions to sections of lessons or just general talking to kind of stuff for my mm -hmm. face. And then I record all the audio on the computer and then I sync it up later. So that's basically how we do it. And then in terms of cameras, you know, that's just a matter of how, how much money you want to spend. You, yeah. know, you want to have mm -hmm. four, 4k, 6k or 1080p or whatever you want to do with it. You know, yeah, it's all there. So. And is it, I mean, the gear, how was the setup when you first started recording? I mean, you just had the Vox, that little digital modeling amp and the Squire and like a, you know, like a tiny computer microphone or something, or I mean. No, it was the, there was the, um, that uh, Sony uh, mini DV video camera that I had. It, ha it had a pretty decent built-in microphone. Mm -hmm. The only problem was it, it uh, compressed a bit, like it has like yeah, a, uh -huh. a limiter or you know, it would, it would kind of squish the the volume a little bit, so it wouldn't clip, and and uh, that's you know that sounded a little bit weird. But besides that, the general sound was 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 okay for the time, you know. Mm -hmm. So now it's it whole. I never do that. I, back then, I, I didn't 
ha- I didn't have the ears that I have now. So when I hear something like that now, it's like, oh wow, that's so awful because I'm all about you know. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm all about the details so and min- yeah, yeah, you know, minimizing noise and and making everything natural and thinking about EQ and all that kind of nerdy stuff. That's all in my yeah. brain now. But back then it was like whatever works. Yeah, it's coming through the microphone. It's yeah, it's working. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go yeah. with that kind of thing. Yeah. So that kind of segues to the next question I was going to ask you is just is how how do you make sure that you capture a good guitar tone? So not only, you know, in in your studio when you're recording, but then how do you make sure that we know that YouTube kind of can kill the audio a little bit. Um, and so any tips or tricks of how to get like that, that most solid or excellent guitar tone, like what have you found works really well for you? Well, do you, do you mean the audio quality for the video? Yeah. Just, I mean, just how do you, well, how do you capture it? And then how do you make sure the quality is still high by the time it gets to the end, the end user basically? Well, I can only uh, worry about what I do. Like I can't control what YouTube does and other platforms in terms of altering the sound. So I just focus on making my stuff sound as good as possible. And then, um, then we'll see what happens once it gets uploaded. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think YouTube and, and, and such places, they, they will probably keep changing too. And, um, I'm guessing over the, over the, over time, maybe there'll be less, uh, squishing and comp- pressing of audio for for youtube but uh i just uh, record all my audio on my computer and then i just export it as the highest quality i can and can do and usually that that means the audio is not the mp3 when i export it uh, as a video it's it's sitting as um uh pcm whatever it's called mm-hmm. you know the higher uncompressed format yeah, and then, and then so I you, upload it, and yeah. So you're syncing it with uh, with the camera later on, basically, is what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So, so for you, just capturing that tone, do you have any for those who are maybe getting into recording on YouTube or or whatever? Do you have any like tips or tricks for uh, for that? And then uh, I'll have a follow up question after that. Well. Um, do you mean guitar tone? Yeah, just just for anyone who's looking to capture a good guitar sound for recording on uh, for video purposes, do you have any do you have any uh, recommendations either or either gear or just techniques that that you've come across? Well, you know that's um, that's a big question actually. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of options there, and I guess it depends on what you want to achieve in the end. But I mean, for example, you can. You can uh, get a decent sound by just putting a microphone in your room and not having your amp too loud, and and uh, so that you can talk. If like if you want to do, talk about your stuff for or make a lesson or something, I mean that can work okay. Um, the problem is, of course, if your amp is a bit loud, then you might um, it might be a little bit of an unbalanced mm-hmm. yeah uh, on uh, like the balance between the voice and the plane could be an issue and things like that and then yeah it's it, i think those types of setups are good for like um come and hang out with me on, on this video and i'll, I'll show you something mm-hmm. or whatever but if your goal is to create the best possible tone um then 
I think it's better to to mic your amp if you're using an amp. I mean, you can also use digital stuff, right? You don't yeah. have to use microphones, but if you use an amp, then you can you can mic it and uh, you can have it in a different room so that you don't have to worry about your your speaking being affected by the guitar yeah. volume. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, a separate um, mic for um, for talking. Or in that case, if, if the amp is kind of uh, in a different room, so it doesn't affect your volume-wise, you can maybe, if you have a decent camera, you could maybe just go with the with the, um, with the microphone on the camera, mm-hmm. and then you sync it, sync up the guitar tone later with the the video. But you know, this, the more you do that kind of stuff, it starts getting complicated and and takes time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a balance between what your goal is. Is the goal is is to just make some quick video, just showing something. Maybe it's easiest just to use a decent um, video camera with a decent mic and just go over that. But um, again, so then if you feel like, well, I need to up it, up my game a bit. Um, then you're probably going to have to be spending a little bit more time with with uh, the other scenario with it that I described. So mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. So can kind of what you would say your recommendation would be kind of start small, kind of work with what yeah. you have, and then just keep adding pieces to your setup if you feel like you need something else. Yeah, I think so. You can also, I mean, uh, another option is to use. Um, one of these handheld recorders for uh, for all the audio. Then you then you can use your iPhone or whatever, it's like something like that. Um, any cheap uh, video camera, and then you have a like a Zoom or uh, Tascam, those kind of handheld yeah. recorders. Mm-hmm. And then you just make sure that uh, you play your amp and and you talk and all that, and as uh, at your highest volume level, and make sure it doesn't clip. That the low, uh, input is low enough for that, and then, then you can sync that up later. That's a pretty quick way to do it too. But That's then cool. you get, uh, then you get much better audio than you would get through an iPhone. Mic- right, and that's, iPhone microphone. that seems like a, you know, it's still a little bit of money, but it seems like you know what would be considered a budget approach to making videos because you're not buying a, a bunch of fancy interfaces and and cameras, expensive and microphones and cameras. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a good tip. So, I, I, kind of bouncing off that that question, I thought of something. Uh, what is one piece of gear that you have in your recording chain? So, after the signal leaves your guitar, what is one piece of gear that you couldn't imagine uh, living without right now? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> if if you have a couple, then if if you well, feel like a couple are are really crucial to to what sound you're getting, but. But give us maybe just give us one or two. Well, the easy answer right now is the XFX that I use mm-hmm. because I I I use that uh I don't know, I guess it's modeling hardware unit. I guess it should be called, right? It's a guitar processor thing. Um that the reason I'm saying that because I'm not using it live or anything. I'm just doing videos. So it's just sitting on a shelf and it's so easy for me to get a good sound of it um, without having to worry about the loud amp that's gonna, you know, disrupt the, the neighborhood or yeah. or blend mm-hmm. into my speaking, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, so that's the one right now. But if I didn't use that, um, the, uh, I mean, the guitar, of course, would be the other one, right? I need to yeah. have a guitar that that 
I think uh, sounds really good and has the you know the the sound and the feel that I'm going for. Definitely, yeah, and and that kind of is is something that we wanted to touch on. This next kind of topic is is massive, so we don't have to spend a lot of time because I think we could have our own show just on this topic. But talk about since you mentioned the axe effects, talk about the kind of the that whole world of of modeling and amp simulation versus real amps. You mentioned some of the benefits there of of kind of having more isolation, less noise. You could make videos uh, in the middle of the night and not really disturb anyone. But maybe talk about kind of as you've done both types of recording, you talk about some things that you like about each of those. Yeah, I can. I thought about that a little bit the other day, and I can maybe try and describe quickly what what I've learned over the years. Yeah, go for um, it. So you know, as I said, I started out having a little box amp that I was just using the the video camera mic for recording, and then gradually okay i wanted to up the game so i got a, a zoom handheld recorder with uh, two tiny little uh, microphones on it and that got better and then and that wasn't good enough after a while because you know you you uh you, you always uh want to up your game and make sure that you do the best you can so so i i got an sm57 and i started to mic my amp uh at some point, I actually recorded the guitar tone from from the SM57 right into my camera because my camera has hmm. XLR inputs. Interesting. And that's also there's, there's a, that's that works great. But then is another step where you have to export the audio from the camera uh, file uh, and then massage it in your in your computer and all. So it was an extra step. So I started just recording straight into the, into the computer. So. Uh, that is the simplest and maybe the most uh, true way you can record your tone. I mean, that's the ideal thing I would say that you have a, you, a really good amp that you like uh, and you have your pedals or whatever you want. And then you would just learn how to mic your cabinet or your, your amp so that it uh, sounds good. And then you can then tweak the audio as you like in, the, in your DAW, your digital audio workstation. Um, so that is, I mean, that's a, probably the best sounding way if you know how to do it. It's not that easy though, because mic placement is a, is a huge thing Yeah, and you need to really experiment enough so that you learn how that works. And then there's the issue of which mic should you use above. I mean, it, it becomes a pretty big topic quickly. So you need mm -hmm. to spend some time learning all that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, that's a good way to do it. But then I realized, okay, I learned a lot about this, but the problem is the volume, right? I need, I like to have my amp beside me so I can tweak it, or uh, and people can see what I'm using on a on a on a video. So having it in a different room is kind of be an issue too. Yeah, um, and all the cables and all the stuff. So anyway, so what I started doing then was to uh, hook up my amp into a, a uh, I use what's called a Sur Reactive Load, and that is um, mm. a hardware unit that acts as a speaker cabinet but it converts the signal to to a digital thing so you can you can uh, connect it to your audio interface on your computer and then you can use impulse responses to create uh, a simulated speaker cabinet and that is very cool it sounds a bit complicated and i mean it is a bit hard to describe it in just words but basically it's a hardware instead of having a real 
speaker cabinet. You can have a 100 watt Marshall head cranked and you plug it into this little hardware box and it uh, will make the app think it's using a real four by 12, for example. Mm -hmm. And then in, the, in your computer, you just load up uh, an impulse response. It's, it's um, a simulation. Well, not, maybe not the right word. It's a representation mm -hmm. of the sound of a real four by 12. And then when you record it, it sounds 99% like the real thing. And the issue, I mean, the, the benefit with this is that you don't have to worry about volume. You can crank your amp and, and just, you can listen through headphones or your, your studio monitors. So that is a really cool thing. And I was doing that for a while. Uh, but then I got the act effects because, um, well, I had friends recommend it. I tried the Kemper too. Those are the two units I think a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Oh, and there's the third one, the, the Helix by Line 6. Oh, yeah. I can't forget about those Line 6. The, <laughs> yeah, those, those are the three big ones, I guess, right now. Uh, and then just a little bit higher-priced digital, uh, digital technology that makes it so convenient to get a good tone. Now, does it sound as good as the... The real thing does it sound as good as the real thing with uh, a reactive load well you know that's just a, a matter of opinion but mm -hmm. it's it, they are pretty close and for me it's just it's the convenience factor i yeah. can i have my 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 sounds sounds are saved on the on the axe effects and i have tweaked everything so i can quickly bring bring up the sound that i want the tone that i want for video and i don't have to worry about mic placement and and all that other, all these other issues, and it's quick and convenient. So that's sort of an overview of how I do things and how I have evolved over the years. Well, and even just in the time saved, like setting up mics, and because I, I know that like whenever you're really recording or when I've been recording, like the setup is is a really big part of it. And if and if you're just spending time choosing mics and de deciding where you're going to place things like it can turn into, you know, like a two, three hour thing, just setting up the mics and getting levels. So like yeah, having yeah. it there ready to go, you, you almost just turn it on and you're like, okay, yeah, there's my sound. Let's move yeah. on to the next thing. And, you know, just the efficiency I think is super valuable of those kinds of units. Yeah, for sure. And then another thing, there's a couple more things I want to mention. Maybe uh, one is that I, my computer and my, my digital audio workstation. I use Logic, by the way, because I'm on a Mac. But it, whatever one you use, Windows or uh, whatever DAW you use, it doesn't matter so much. But the point is that you you should get to know it and how how you can use it efficiently to uh, to help you get a good tone. Because for me, I use I see Logic almost as a part of my sound. Mm -hmm. It's part of my amp almost, you know, because I have learned how to bring up the delays and the reverbs and the, adjust the EQ as I want it and so on. So that's part of shaping the tone for me because I do um, guitar tone for videos. And so I want it to sound as, as good as possible. So yeah. it's not just the amp and, and the XFX. It's also the computer that, uh, in this case, Logic, the software I use to tweak the sounds. And I've learned how to do it pretty quickly. So that's part of the... I, I almost view it as part of my sound, you know? Yeah, it's a part of the signal chain, yeah. Yeah, it's part of my, yeah, signal chain to, to achieve what I want. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I want to mention is that um, uh, pedals can also be a, a, a fun way 
to tweak sounds uh, because I, I can use pedals with my XFX and sometimes I do that because um, I find in my, for me in a way the, the, the pedal simulations in the XFX aren't really always what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the unit itself, it almost feels like a relamp if you if you set it up correctly. And then you can use your favorite pedals that you use with your relamps in in front of it mm-hmm. between your axe effects and your guitar, and you still you still you get that uh, you get that tone from the pedal that you expect. So that's uh, something I often do as well, is to you know you add a boost or an overdrive or distortion pedal that it's, it's my favorite one that I find is better than what's built into the unit itself. Oh. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, uh, I actually have a, like an octave pedal, one of those pog twos. And that's the, one of those things about those like X eights that the fractal audio does is like, um, I was messing around with it and I was like, Oh yeah, but I like to do this octave stuff. And, and some of that, it's like, it's not as specialized and it doesn't quite focus on that, but it's cool that it, they take the pedals well and that you can throw in your, Pog two and your big sky or whatever you know whatever sounds you're used to. Yeah, and that's something I've noticed over the years. Like I had, I shouldn't mention any names, but I had some digital modeling gear uh, <laughs> quite a few years back, and they sounded okay by themselves. But if you tried to use any kind of pedal in front of them, it would sound like garbage mm. because. Any, for example, a little bit of volume boost or something, it would just dis- overload, destroy it. the sound. <laughs> you know, like it was not a good. Like I, even that box amp, which which was a digital modeling amp. You know, I tried to use a an a light overdrive or something, and it would just kind of clip the input section. And it would sound horrible. Mm. But that has changed. So now you can now you can use boost pedals and fuzz pedals and overdrives, and you can get these uh, modeling hardware units to really react more like a relamp and you, you get that benefit from ha- from having your favorite pedal in front if you want and that wasn't really possible in the past in my opinion yeah, it's cool that so that, that's to, ex- to people and <laughs> customers and stuff yeah that's i mean technology has has improved that way that's i mean that for that example, it's not really about uh, the tone of the unit. This is an, uh, what I mean is the technology has helped improve this technology, so you can um, you can do those things. It it has it made them behave more like relamp, mm-hmm. in in just how they respond to to things like well, not just pedals, but pickups too, hot yeah. pickups, low output pickups. You know, different sounding like the the digital stuff now uh, will respond more like a real amp would, whereas in the past, whatever you used for, for gear in front of it, it would just still sound like the patch that was created in the unit when, it, when you listen to it, more or less. Yeah. And maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was a little bit more like that in the past, and now it's, it's, uh, it's way more amp-like with these things. So. so it's an awesome technology that, that is definitely deserves a place in, in this modern day uh, music era. So it's yeah. just a powerful thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, again, uh, I think I mentioned already, but I mean, it's it, for me, it's the, 
convenience factor and I'm producing digital stuff all the time. If I was a touring musician, I, I probably wouldn't be using an XFX because I would think I would prefer to have my favorite amp and my favorite pedal board and all that kind of thing and just have fun with it and trust my ears that way. But And then hope that whoever is recording it will do a good job. Yeah, we'll do it justice, yeah. But when you're doing what I'm doing, I'm I'm like the guitar player and the teacher and the producer and everything, engineer, all as one person. <laughs> a lot of different heads. So I need, I need to know what's coming out of the speaker is going to sound pretty good. So that's why I'm going with the digital stuff because it's easiest, the easiest way for me and it's also the most reliable way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can reproduce it all the time. So yeah, excellent. that's my approach. <laughs> And so you were mentioning like even the, how they react to different sets of pickups and stuff. And I know that you, you know, having a relationship with Brian and like doing a lot of like cool demo videos and stuff in the past, like what kind of pickups do you like or which ones seem, do you kind of gravitate more towards of the, of the Porter pickup lineup? I mean, well, I've, I've used Porter pickups for many years now and you know, one thing i have to say i'm uh, i'm the kind of player who i don't have like one tone i sometimes go for a certain certain tone one one month maybe <laughs> one week and another time i want something completely different yeah so so i have you know i have a range of sounds i'm i'm, uh, I'm using and i have found that i prefer low output pickups if i if I'm going for that kind of a vintage bluesy tone, mm -hmm. or it could even be, um, in general, I would say I go, I go for the more low output, output pickups. And many years ago, I got a, a set of 1950s uh, pickups from Brian that I put in this cheap Squire that I mentioned in the beginning Yeah, mm -hmm. that I got from the, <laughs> from the Some pawn shop somewhere. <laughs> from the pawn shop here in town a long time ago yeah and i mean i just it was really a garbage guitar more or less but on the other hand it's not anymore because putting those pickups in there made it sound really good so it's and it's strat you know it's a simple design it's not like it's a complicated hollow body with all it's just a piece of wood and a neck and it throws some pickups on there yeah so i mean i've been able to make it sound really good and um that type of setup is great for when I'm playing anything from like a Hendrix tone to um, um, Steve Ray Vaughan type mm -hmm. of tone of, you know, that kind of bluesy uh, rock, blues, blues rock kind of thing. Th those types of pickups, lower output, but they have like a dy uh, higher dynamic range mm -hmm. when, when you use it. You can you I can boost the the high frequencies pretty high on my amp or my uh, like a boost pedal and I get a lot of range out of those kind of pickups compared to if I had humbuckers with the high output then you have a whole different type of sound yeah mm -hmm. but I hope that makes sense yeah totally does yeah and then you've got uh, two different humbucker sets in some Hagstrom guitars right you have uh, the smooth classic and then you have the blender set. Uh, maybe just quickly talk about the the things you like about those two sets. Yeah, that's when I go for a different sound. So um, when I'm not doing that uh, bluesy Hendrixy SRV type of tone, then 
sometimes I like to have more of that Robin Ford, Larry Carlton, a little bit of um, mid-frequency focused tone with a little bit more, maybe even um, a little bit more compressed overall sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, I like to use those guitars because, you know, it they feel a bit more compressed sounding because it's, well, part of it because it's humbuckers. Uh, and they're a little bit more high output, but um, the smooth and classic, I I have those pickups in my uh, my Hagstrom suite, and I really like how that sounds. They're not super high output, but when I use that guitar with some higher uh, higher gain, like a, dis- a distortion pedal or or um, an amp that's a bit uh, set up to have more gain i get really amazing sustain and you know it's a whole different type of sound that than when i use my strats and that works really well but it's it's uh it works with with clean sound as well it's just that for some reason that combination with that guitar and those pickups um works really good for um for for uh lead mm-hmm. lead plane especially yeah, definitely. And, the, and then the, the, the Viking has, uh, that's the blender, right? I believe so, yeah. Those, those, are, those are even more high output, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't find them that, that, that hot, though. I, I haven't um, played a guitar in a little bit now, but I have used it in a similar way, you know, using it with, with an amp that's set up a little bit more saturated gain, and uh, I get that, um, yeah, that's sustained, more of a rocky kind of s- sound, and and it works. Both of them work work really well for that. Um, now, out of the two, I think the the Swede, big, just because the guitar is a different, it's a solid solid body. Mm-hmm. I think I like that that sound better for me because the Viking is like a poor man's. Three, nothing five, i'm not gonna say anything oh, yeah. yeah i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> bad about the guitar but it's it's not a high-end uh, semi-acoustic it's like you know affordable mm-hmm. sure. so sure so it doesn't have the same attention to um, detail or no whatever. like the dynamic range of your sound like if you picked up an, an es335 from from the 60s you know there would be a whole different ball game yeah. right so if i put if i had a higher end guitar like that i think those pickups would shine even more mm-hmm. yeah I but um but it's yeah it, it works well for for my that lead stuff that i do when i want humbuckers both of those guitars very cool yeah so, well we appreciate that and uh what we'll do is um not only will we put some links to the uh the videos channels of your master guitar academy or youtube channel but we'll put some links to specific videos that, of the pickup sets that we talked about in the description for our show so those who are listening can can go click on those links and learn about robert's lessons and subscribe to his youtube channel and also to to check out some videos of our pickups that robert has recorded as well so there's a lot of good resources that we're going to put down in the uh, description here as well but robert we thank well, you so much for uh for being on the show today. I know we kind of hit you with a bunch of questions and we covered a lot of topics, but uh, you did a great yeah. job and, and we, we appreciate the insight because I, uh, I think both of us have, have thought through a lot of the, the topics of uh, you know re- recording on YouTube and digital versus real and, and all that stuff. And 
And I, f- I feel like we'll have you on again because we want to continue some of these, these conversations, but, uh, yeah, thanks for joining yeah. us today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. it. Yeah. Thanks Robert. Appreciate it. I hope you will go check out his channel and stuff. There's a lot of great content there. There's links to all of his videos and a lot of his streams in the, uh, in the description there though. And I just want to close up and say, um, if you're interested in some of, you know, giving us more ideas for topics or checking out the videos of the Porter TV, you can always go to the Facebook page and the tone community and stay in the know with all of the stuff that's going on there too, as well. That's also an active place where we're posting a lot. So go ahead and leave us a comment uh, or something like that. So thanks. (laughs) See you guys later.